And let me say good morning and welcome again. Now, not only to those of you who are here in the traditional sanctuary, but welcome also to those of you who are joining us in the contemporary service and via broadcast. I'm glad that we had this opportunity to learn from God's Word together today. Speaking of which, if you don't have a Bible with you and you'd like to be able to use one and follow along with our reading today, uh, our ushers are going to be coming up the aisles in both of our worship venues with Bibles. And please feel free to borrow one from them and you can just stick it on the rack in the back of the room after worship today. You know, in the Bible today, one of the readings, the main reading we're learning from is, I think, one of the stranger stories in the Bible, which is kind of saying something, actually. And it's one of the weirder passages in the book of Acts that we're going to be reading together this summer. And it's a story of a very, very committed religious seeker, somebody who knew that he was missing something in life, but just couldn't quite figure out what it was. Have you ever had that experience with anything, that you're looking for something, that you know something is missing, you've forgotten something, but you can't figure out what it is? I hate when that happens to me. It happens to me probably most frequently when I'm packing for a trip. I'll get my bag all packed, and I zip the bag up, and I'm, I know something's missing. Even if I don't know what it is, I'm very confident that I've forgotten something. We'll be driving away down the road before I can remember what it is. But if my wife Amy were here today, she could tell you already what it is that I will forget next time it's my swimming trunks, because I forget them every single trip we take. I'm a very slow learner, apparently. Uh, have you ever had that experience where you're going to tell somebody something, you forgot what it is, pack something, you can't remember what it was, do something, you can't remember? Bill Cosby had an old comedy routine about this. He said, he said I knew I was getting older because I'd be sitting in one room in my house, and I would remember what it was. I would know that I needed something from the next room, and I would get up, and I would walk into that room, and when I walked in that room, I would wonder, why was I in that room? And he said, the, the thought totally left my mind but I know where it goes. It goes from my mind right down here to my hip because I will walk back to the chair that I was sitting in and I'll sit down and whoop, it'll go right back up into my head. <laughs> it happens all the time. But it's a more serious thing when you're missing something more important, right? If you're missing something important in life and you can't figure out what it is, you can't put your finger on it. I've had that experience and I know from my own experience how frustrating that can be for most of the other things that are happening in your life. When that happens, the work that you do doesn't seem to work as well and it doesn't feel as gratifying as you know that it can be. The relationships you have in your life keep misfiring or misconnecting because something is just off kilter in your life. The good things in life don't bring the happiness and joy that they should. The bad things in life feel way worse than they really are. And unfortunately, when you find yourself in this situation that something is wrong and something is missing and you can't figure out exactly what it is, it's a hard situation to get yourself out of because you don't exactly know what it is that you're looking for. And the story that we read from the book of Acts today is very much like that. It's about a guy who was seeking and searching for answers and truth in life until one day what he was looking for found him. And what I'd like to do is kind of walk through this passage and learn from it together with you this morning. And so if, if you have a Bible with you, you can open it up to Acts chapter 8. If you're using one of the Bibles from our worship venues here, it's on page 1606, if that helps you find it more easily. You can also follow along. Some of the verses will be projected behind me or on the screens in the contemporary worship service also. We're going to start reading in Acts chapter 8 or page 1606, and it's in verse 26. And I just want to begin by kind of setting the scene and getting some of the characters in the story here. So this is what it says in Acts 8, 26. Now an angel of the Lord, that's a messenger from God, said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road, 
that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Just hold there for a second. So this guy named Philip is a Christian guy. And in our worship together, if you were here a couple weeks ago, you've heard his name before. He was one of the table deacons, one of the guys among the Christians who was appointed to try to make sure that the vulnerable in the community, particularly some of the Jewish widows, that they were being taken care of in the, in the distribution of food. The people who didn't have a family left to take care of them, that the Christian family was still taking care of them. And Philip was one of those stand-up guys. And he served selflessly, and he lived a life of service and witness in Jesus' name. And he gets this prompting from God. And I don't know if you've ever had that feeling like, is somebody trying to tell me something? Why is this thought in my head? Being a disciple of Jesus is a lifelong journey in the practice of trying to discern, is that the spirit of God speaking to me? Am I making that up? How should I respond to this? And Philip gets this nudge. It says an angel of the Lord spoke to him. And an angel in the Bible, angel means messenger. He gets this message from God, and it's a weird one. He should go to this road, the desert road that goes down, downhill from the high elevation of the city of Jerusalem off to the east to the desert road that goes downhill to the west toward Gaza. And Philip realizes that this is God. And so he cooperates. It's fine. I'll go to the desert road. And if we continue reading the story, and by the way, you can keep your finger here on page 1606 or Acts chapter 8. We're going to keep reading here during our message today. So in Acts 8, 27, Philip started out. And on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch. I'm going to explain a lot of details here in a second. An important official in charge of the treasury of all the Kandake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. And this man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. And the spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Okay, let me explain a few details here. So this guy is from Ethiopia, which as far as Philip is concerned, may as well be Mars. This is the end of the world. Ethiopia is very far away from his world. We see the world a little differently now, but for Philip, that was the end of the known world. So this guy is already very foreign and exotic to Philip. And then it tells us that he is a, an official in charge of the treasury for the Kandake. Now that's probably a strange word to you. Some other translations used to call this the Candace, which is easier to say. I kind of wish we still had that. But it's the line of queens. It's not just one person. It's the line of queens that ruled over the ancient people of Ethiopia. Sort of like you could say the pharaohs were the king of Egypt or the Caesars were the kings of the Roman Empire. The Candace or the Kandake were the queens of the, of the ancient country of Ethiopia. This line of women warriors, warrior queens of this fascinating history. And this guy in this chariot is the chief of the treasury. He's the, he's the secretary of the treasury for this, for this queen. So we know two things about him. One is that he's a very powerful guy. He's in the cabinet. He's in the royal court. He has access to wealth and power and privilege and prestige. This guy's got a whole bunch going for him in his life. He's got a lot of success in life. However, it's not uncommon that people in this position in the ancient world would also be made to be eunuchs. And this is a family show, so I'm going to explain it this way. This is like when you take Sparky to the vet and he comes back not half the man he used to be. So this guy in the chariot has not only experienced some great successes in life, he's also experienced some very significant loss in life. And perhaps most importantly, we know that he's a real spiritual seeker. He's on a journey, this guy is. 
He goes from Ethiopia across a hundreds of mile, arduous, difficult journey to Jerusalem. Mind you, he's not an Israelite. He's not Jewish. But he thinks that maybe he will find answers there among the God that he has heard of, the God of the Israelites. And so he undertakes this journey. I can try to imagine him explaining this to the queen. No, i got to go do this thing. And she lets him go, apparently. He gets to Jerusalem, and when he gets there, we can imagine that he would have met with only very limited success. He would have had only limited access to the temple as a non-Israelite and as a eunuch. And the people who were at the temple would have only offered him a very limited welcome in that place as a non-Israelite and as a eunuch. In modern terms, you might say he went to church and he felt like he didn't belong there. And the people who were there helped him feel like he didn't belong there. And maybe you've had that experience. I know, I bet, that some of you have. And maybe you feel like that today, like you don't belong here. I want to tell you that I believe you are in exactly the place that God wants you to be this morning. But I also understand that it can be easy to feel that way. And that's how this Ethiopian official would have felt, coming back from this semi-successful, semi-failed trip to Jerusalem. And he's coming back, but he hasn't given up because that thing is missing in life, and he does not want to settle any longer without it. And so he's reading the book of a prophet. Right? He went and found some spiritual literature. He went into the self-help section. He found some spiritual books. He tried reading the Bible. And when he did... Believe it or not, he found it hard to understand. And this is what happens next. Keep reading. Acts chapter 8, verse 30. Then Philip, whom God had sent to this place, right? Philip ran up to the chariot, and he heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. And so, do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up into the chariot and sit with him. Now, I think that's a pretty easy thing to understand because the Bible can be hard to understand. He's trying, he's seeking to understand, but he's not grasping the answers that he's looking for. I do know a few people in life who, who have found the hope of God in Jesus Christ by opening the Bible and reading the Gospels, reading the stories of Jesus, and seeing the compelling picture of what God was doing in him. But only a few. I know many more people who've been helped to understand the portrait of Jesus in the Bible because God sent a person into their life. Because someone who already knows the ways of Jesus has come into their life and helped bear witness to that. And here in this case, God sends Philip into this man's life to be able to ask, what are your questions? Are you able to understand this? And how can I help you? Maybe it's the case that God has put someone like that in your life. Maybe you've been in a situation where you go, wow, I wonder why this person is suddenly in my life. Or maybe God's using you right now to be the Philip for somebody else and he's put you into somebody else's life. Well, God sent Philip into this guy's life and this is what happens, continuing to read here in Acts chapter 8, verse 32. This is the passage of Scripture the eunuch was reading. This comes from the prophet Isaiah. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. And who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And the eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about? Himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. 
Philip told him what he was looking for. He explained him what he was missing, what it was that he needed that was making everything else not work right. And it wasn't another pilgrimage. It wasn't another quest to go find himself or find answers somewhere. It certainly wasn't more success in life that would finally scratch the itch that itched in his life. What he needed was the person of Jesus. And as Philip told this Ethiopian official about Jesus, it was good news to him. It was good news on the one hand because it was a word of welcome to him. It was a word of welcome to someone who just received some words of rejection in the place that he had gone previously. It was a word of God's grace and welcome to God, no matter whether you come from the wrong place at the ends of the earth, whether you've lived the wrong sort of life, whether you've done the wrong sort of things, whether you've been the wrong sort of person. It was a gracious word of unconditional welcome to this guy, and that was good news to him. And it was also good news, I think, in his view too, because the gospel of Jesus is never just good news for one individual person, not just for him, not just for you, not just for me. But the good news of Jesus is good news for God's world. It's the announcement that the kingdom of God, that the ways of God, the salvation of God is coming to take root right here in our world. It's the good news that in Jesus, God is putting the world back together again and reestablishing the kind of peace and harmony of the, the world that God created in the first place is coming to pass again in Jesus Christ. This is good news. And this Ethiopian official finally begins to find the things that he's been looking for. And as they travel together in the chariot discussing the meaning of the prophet Isaiah and the good news of what God had done in Jesus, another event happens. And this is the next thing that happens as we continue to read. As they traveled along the road together, this is Acts 8, 36. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here's water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. And the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Apparently this good news that Philip had proclaimed to this Ethiopian official included an invitation to be baptized as a disciple of Jesus and find hope in him because along the desert road when they found some water in the middle of the desert, the Ethiopian official says, well, why not me? What's standing in the way of me being baptized as a disciple of Jesus? What's standing in the way of me becoming a part of the family of God? What's standing in the way of me experiencing this hope? for my life and for my community and my world that you've told me about? And the answer that Philip must have given him is nothing is standing in the way because they got out of the chariot and they went down in the water and he was baptized. You know, over the years, from time to time and place to place, Christians have understood some things about baptism differently. But biblically speaking, there are at least two things that are just perfectly clear for all of us to agree on about baptism. And the first one is this. It's always been about the washing. It's always been about grace. It's always been about forgiveness and welcome. It's always been about coming up clean out of the water no matter how you went down in the first place. Baptism has always been about the grace. It's a sign of God's grace. And then secondly, it's always been about the journey. It's always been about leaving one thing behind and being taken by God to a new thing. In fact, the, the very, very first Christians, the early Christians in the biblical times, they thought of baptism as being kind of like the ancient story of how the ancient Israelites 
had been taken by God on their journey from slavery in the land of Egypt through the waters of the Red Sea to freedom and life to serve God in the promised land. And so the Christians said, it's just like that for us. We've been taken by God from a life of slavery to sin and death and brought by God through the waters of baptism through faith in Jesus Christ to freedom to serve God, freedom from sin and eternal life. And that's the journey that we've been taken on. And so it's all about the grace. It's always been about grace. And it's always been about this journey. And here's this Ethiopian official who's just been on a journey to Jerusalem and back looking for God. And here in the middle of the desert, God found him. He was on this journey searching for answers in Jerusalem. And on his way back, Jesus found him. I'll tell you, the first time you read this story... It looks like this Ethiopian official is the real seeker in the story. He's on a quest. He's looking for answers. But you read the story again and you realize Jesus is the real seeker. Jesus is the one who's really doing the seeking here. From the very beginning of the book of Acts, from the first half of the first chapter of the book of Acts, there's a story of Jesus ascending from earth to heaven to sit in power at the right hand of God. And God signifies thereby that Jesus is the world's true Lord and King. And in every story since then, you see Jesus seeking to extend his reign of grace and power and life into every place, pushing the borders out farther and farther into every place, into every human community, into every human heart. And we are meant to see as we read these stories, including this one, that nobody is beyond his reach. Not this eunuch from the royal court of a warrior queen at the end of the known world who finds himself on the return trip of a failed journey for answers. Not him, not even him, and definitely not you, and definitely not me, is beyond the reach of the kingdom of God's grace in Jesus Christ. And maybe you're somebody who actually knows what you're looking for. Maybe you know what's missing. Maybe you don't. Maybe you're seeking. Maybe you gave up on seeking a long time ago. But believe me when I tell you that Jesus is seeking for you. That Jesus is seeking to extend his reign of grace and power and life into every place, into every human community, into every human heart. And that he invites you into the same experience that this Ethiopian official experienced in that moment of baptism. And it's an experience of grace. No matter who you are, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, it's this unconditional welcome and love from God in Jesus Christ. It's an experience of grace and it's an experience of call and transformation. It's the gift of a new life to be brought from one place into another. And if you are someone who is already a baptized disciple of Jesus, then I'd like to begin by reminding you who you are and where you are, should you ever forget. I'd like to remind you that you are a child of God for Jesus' sake, that because of Jesus you are welcome, that you are forgiven, that you have a place in God's family, that you are a co-heir with Christ of the riches of God's kingdom for now and forever. That's who you are. And I'd like to remind you where you are because you're not in the same place anymore. Because God loved you enough to meet you right where you were and way too much to leave you there. And God has brought us to a brand new place. And I know that to be a disciple of Jesus means to continue to struggle with temptation along the way and 
maybe the temptation you struggle with is simply to forget who you are in Christ. Or maybe it's the temptation to whatever particular sin it is that's most attractive in your life. It's the temptation to believe the lie that sin and self and greed and lust and violence promise happiness in this life when in fact they are dead-end roads. And I'd like to remind you where you are. You don't live in the dead-end country anymore, but God has brought you to a new place to experience the life that knows no end beginning even now. That's who you are, and that's where you are. And if you are not yet a baptized disciple of Jesus Christ, then I invite you to step forward into this faith and to step into this relationship of grace and life transformation. I mean, we got the privilege of celebrating the baptisms of three children over the course of our worship services this morning. And that's an awesome privilege and a holy and exciting time to welcome them into our community and into the family of God. In about a month and a half or so, we're going to celebrate some more baptisms in the lake. We're going to celebrate that moment of transformation, that claiming for a group of people of a new life in Christ. And maybe today, the Spirit of God is at work in your heart, doing this crazy, nudging, prompting, speaking thing that makes you wonder, God, is that you or is that me? And maybe today the Spirit of God is calling to you and inviting you into this new life. And as you listen to God in your heart, I want to share something with you. We put together some images, a video of some of the baptisms that we've celebrated as a part of this church family, just some of them, over the course of this last year, some of them that are out at the lake and some of them that are part of our services in this building. I just want to share those with you right now. If you're someone who hasn't yet been baptized as a disciple of Jesus, then let me just answer for you the question that was asked in the Bible today. And that answer is nothing. Nothing is standing in the way of you coming to experience life with God in Jesus Christ and being baptized. And You can be baptized today if you want to be. You can come talk to one of our pastors about being part of the group that will be baptized on August 18th in the lake together. And you can experience this grace and new life with God in Jesus Christ. And if you are already a baptized disciple of Jesus, but you want to have an experience like that where you remember what God has done in your life and remember God's call and God's grace to you, that can also be a powerful time of remembering and recommitting one's life to Christ. But here, let me close this time that we have together as we join together in a moment of prayer. Lord Jesus, you are the real seeker. And we stumble around and we search and we look, and you've been looking for us all along. And I pray that by the power of your spirit that you would just keep on knocking at the door of our hearts, pound until we open, reach in and open the door that we're holding shut. And I pray that today you would call us close to yourself, that as our hearts wander, as we succumb to temptation, as we feel the desperation of being apart from you, God, I pray that for each of us who's here today, you would fill us up with the knowledge of your love, and your grace and the power of your hope for ourselves and our community and our world. And I pray that you would reach into our hearts and grant us all the gift of vibrant life in Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.